0: You know what they say about monkeys and typewriters. <laughs> <laughs> Never forget that you have the tools to build a life on your own terms. Forget
1: the haters. This is Founder Quest. And thanks to Star, we are now linked on the Honey Badger site. <laughs> oh, was... yeah. It only took like two years to do that. Oh, I saw
2: that <laughs> uh, on, a, on the About page. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah so. That's that's. Yeah, cool. I don't know. What made me think about it? I was just I don't know surfing the site for something. I'm like, you know what? We should probably link to the podcast from our site since yeah,
0: thanks for did, opening that issue. I
2: thought we had it in the footer or something. Was it not even in the footer? No. Oh man, we're good at marketing.
1: <laughs> we are so good at marketing. <laughs> totally. <laughs> so yeah, that was that was a good thing. So thank yeah, you, sir.
0: Yeah, no problem. It was good. It's nice to have like a a tiny like concrete task that I know I can do. That doesn't like fractally expand into just caverns of uncertainty.
1: For reals. Speaking of caverns of uncertainty, like I was helping a friend with their website, which is a very old, old website. And I I can't even admit, you know, while recording what versions of various software it's using because that's how old it is. But. Basically, we needed to make a move. And I was like, you know, the, the last time I touched this, which was like two years ago or something, like even then, everything was crusty and old. And like, there's no way we're gonna find, you know, a new hosting provider that's supporting all this old stuff anymore. So mm-hmm. what to do, what to do. So I was just like, you know what, let me just run wget on the, on the site and just mirror the whole site, <laughs> static pages, and then, you know, dump it up somewhere behind the Apache and just leave it at that. So, nice. So I, I sent that over to her. I'm like, Hey, you should try this. How about, how about this? So we'll see, I, like the problem is, you know, there's no search now and, you know, contact forms and stuff like that won't work. I'm like, you know what, just, just let it go. Just, you know, embrace yeah. simplicity.
2: So- <laughs> That's so oh weird. God, yeah. That's it's that, that is so weird because like yesterday I literally did that with the Heya sales site that oh, is, yeah, it yeah. was in rails. I literally like saved, I did the save as web page thing and, and then like edited the CSS paths and just like dumped it into a GitHub pages, uh, branch on the, you know, on the public account. repository. Cause, um, we decided not to sell Heya anymore and release it as open source. And so we didn't need like this fancy rails app that we were paying to like demo, demo it. So yeah, sometimes just like save as page and deploy is the way to do way to go.
0: You know, when you mentioned the search, that re- that reminded me of this um, client I used to have. Yeah, it was uh, a freelancing client. It's a Rails app. Very, it's a very very old re- version of Rails. Still, I guess technically they're still my client. I never actually dropped them because like they would get in contact with me with me like once every two years and have me do like two hours of work. So I was just like, okay, whatever. It's it's mostly because I like them and I just don't want to. I know that they're not going to find somebody who's going to do this for them. So I, I didn't want to leave them high and dry, but um, I built a um, like export as PDF feature a long time ago for them. And it used, what was it? was a headless browser fan? Was it phantom? Uh, yeah. Phantom. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It used a headless browser to like save as a PDF or print as a PDF or whatever. And um, it was all in Heroku and you know, Last year, they they got in touch with me and was like, so this PDF thing stopped working. And I was like, oh my god. Oh my god. Because I haven't touched this in like almost 10 years like this part. So I was just like, you know, like all browsers support like print to PDF now. Like all operating systems just have you just press print and then you put you do the PDF, you select PDF and it works. I that's, remember trying to get fix. them just to do that the first time I built it, but um, Windows didn't have that feature. You had to have like a Print um, driver
1: for that, yeah, mm, yeah, had yeah, to have yeah. a special
0: software. Mm-hmm. So, but this time, I guess Windows added print to PDF, so it was okay.
2: Nice. That's that's amazing. Did it? Yeah. What did it use? A uh, WK HTML to PDF? Is that what? It, or was it something else? I think that used no, a headless browser. it was browser. A, Okay, so you were. Yeah,
0: it was. It was like a headless browser that. Um, so you were would doing it. Okay. To PDF, it was running on Heroku somehow. I don't know yeah. how I got it to run on Heroku.
2: So. Ben Ben remembers uh what i'm talking about <laughs> yeah yeah oh man that was painful <laughs> on heroku even i think um i remember it specifically an issue with that where uh like i think we were like deploying it to heroku and it had like some pdf function like this but we weren't we weren't paying for like multiple dynos or something it would have these like random uh like the app was having these random failures where it would just like not respond to requests and it turns out that the reason was that it was like it was being blocked by this PDF process in the background, and then it would just like block the threads for like connections to, uh, you know, unicorn or whatever it was, whatever server it was using, probably WebKit or something, or uh, WebBrick.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: So, yeah, the, the the solution to that problem was just to uh, pay for <laughs> pay for hosting. <laughs>
0: So you're, scal- <laughs> you're saying is this wasn't like a high availability, high scalability setup?
2: <laughs> no, <laughs> but I think it was for a client. So like they were extremely cheap. Because so. <laughs> like yeah. you just you just need to put some money into this.
0: That's a catch 22 <laughs> with freelancing because like you can be working on a thing and be, just be like, this is terrible. I would be embarrassed yeah. to show anybody this, but nobody's going to pay you to make it any better. So <laughs> I mean, you're just not because you got to make a living.
2: That's the like phase of freelancing where you just
1: need to eat. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a terrible phase. Much better when you get to the point where you can be selective in your clients and you know, pick ones that will actually both pay you and pay for the things that you recommend they do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: One of my uh like last old 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 clients recently switched their website like you were talking about Ben. I do remember the software versions they were running until very like semi like within the last couple of years I think. They were running a Joomla 1.0 site, which was like, I think the last release of that was like 2008 or something. <laughs> this was <laughs> 2000... a Joomla site. Yeah. It's, <laughs> uh, it's like got to be a Joomla site if it was like from the, like the late aughts or whatever. Right. So yeah, good times. Uh, I don't know. Like it must've been hacked like 75 different ways. I, or right. if I don't know how it wasn't to be honest, but I advised them to move to Squarespace, which um I was looking at actually for a personal project recently because I was like looking at like, do I want to build a custom, like a custom, you know, little HTML site or whatever. And I realized like for Squarespace, it's like $140 a year for like, just to deploy a basic website. That's just like for most like small business, you know, like clients that I used to, like I started out with, like in the early two thousands or whatever, like that job just shouldn't exist anymore. (laughs) Like it should just, it's just Squarespace or the services like them that, I mean, it's, you get a decent website that is maintained and it's like an hour of a like modern developers time per year. It just doesn't make sense to roll it myself.
0: It's a little bit sad because, um, like one of my favorite aspects of web development was always just getting some mock-up from a designer or getting like a, a screen from a designer. And then you have to like make it somehow work using 2009 era CSS. And it sounds very masochistic, but it's like, once you get into it, it's just a very like Zen type thing, because it's like, it just is what it is. You're just, you're just moving pixels from one picture (sighs) to another, one window to another. Yeah. On the computer. Like, it's just, I I don't know.
1: That was kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah. I never got into that. Uh, That was always, for me, very frustrating. So I just, I just farmed that out to chop shops. I remember that. Yeah, you did. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That was so awesome. I was so glad to find those services. They just, yeah, you give them a, whatever, PSD, a PSD, and, PSD they give, and they give they you they give back you, the CSS yeah. and the HTML. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But they took no pride in their work, Ben. <laughs> like that's that,
1: that's the thing that always
2: got me. Like, I always get so mad. Like, this HTML is just garbage. Like.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just, I just held my nose and ran with it.
2: It's <laughs> <laughs> like all the same to of- the browser. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was thinking yesterday about doing a like a, uh, just a website for personal stuff. It's not, it's not related to work, but. Um, and I was just like, what, what would be like the easiest for me to do, but like the least maintenance. And I was just like, maybe I just like do like a, do like an ASCII doc document, like one ASCII doc document and publish it on Netlify mm-hmm. and you'd have to set up the the build to, you know, to build the, the ASCII doc. But I mean, that seems pretty, that seems like it wouldn't
1: require any maintenance. I would probably go with GitHub pages for that. Instead of Netlify, I kind of actually, because I'm a yeah. little peeved at Netlify today, because <laughs> yesterday when I was working on this project for my my friend, like I was like, oh, I'll just throw it on Netlify. Uh, no, no, because like, for one, this I've got, you know, buckets of HTML, HTML files that I'm just trying to send over to Netlify. Right. So I just, you know, drag and drop like they say you can do. It's fine. And then it's like deploying and deploying. And deploying. I'm like, 20 minutes later, it's still deploying. I'm like, are you kidding me? This is just, I mean, it's a few hundred HTML files. Give me a break, right? And so I'm like, so I go into the deploy logs, see what it's doing. It's analyzing each HTML file and, and spitting out errors about all the references to <laughs> non-secure assets. And I'm like, I don't care. Like, I, I it's it's a web page, right? Just just serve the web page, right? And but and then, you know, I was like, well, let me put this on a separate team because I don't want it on my stuff. And then Netlify's is like, oh, no, you're already part of a paid team. You can't start a new free thing. Sorry, you're just out of luck. And I'm like, fine. I'll just go to DreamHost. Like, I've been with DreamHost for 20 years. They know how to host websites. Yeah, <laughs> I just like- did it. SFTP, <laughs> I whipped out transmit. I did a copy real quick and like, boom, it just works. I'm like, there you go. Like, that's all I needed. I just needed you to render some stinking web pages. It and goes, like,
2: it, it goes very hosts. well with uh, with like save from web or whatever. <laughs> exactly. Save, save as website.
1: Exactly.
0: <laughs> so. Is there, can we like name this like a lamp? It's like the, you got the lamp stack. You've got, uh,
1: you've got, what are the other stacks? I don't well, know. There's the jam stack. There's oh, yeah. jam stack. There's yeah. the yeah. main stack. If you're into Mongo Express Angular and I can't remember what the N was now,
0: so we're gonna have it's gonna be Save From Web. It's gonna be
1: <laughs> DreamHost, and I don't know. We're gonna have to put a, a referral link for DreamHost in the show notes. Like yeah, and it's, I guess to mad money be, credits on this. Yeah, include it's your referral. Be, um,
0: <laughs> HTML. Wait, no, it's gonna have <laughs> DreamHost is gonna be running
1: Apache probably. Yes. So it's gonna be SDA stack.
0: SDA. SDA.
2: SDA. Yeah,
1: I mean, you can run Lamb stuff on DreamHost. They do PHP, and they have like a one-click yeah. WordPress install. So it's like it's so easy. It's four bucks a month, right? It, it, and
2: and can can I just say say some, one thing? Like a control panel,
1: control panel. There you right?
2: go. I mean, like, what else do you need?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Here's the one problem with DreamHost, though. And the one thing that really just gets my goat. If they would do this one thing, then I would be so happy with them. But because they ha- it's a shared hosting model, it's really cheap. You know, they, of course they oversell it and stuff, and so. Your IP address can change at any time, like because they're rotating Apache things and all the kind of stuff, right? So you have to have your DNS hosted with them because they're going to be changing your, your web server periodically. You mm. can't have your DNS elsewhere. And that's just that's kind of a bummer. But you know, as long as you're okay with having your DNS hosted by Dreamhost, it's great. It's four bucks a month. You just throw some web pages up there and it works. I love it.
2: What about like dynamic DNS or or something like that? remember uh, that from back in the day.
1: Eyes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> All the wacky oh, things. Do you think there are like back young away. people that listen to this podcast that have like no idea what we've been talking about for the past 10 minutes, like control oh, panel. And...
0: I just think it's, it's really funny that, that like somebody like, like is waxing poetic about C panel. <laughs>
2: <Or you>, yes.
0: <laughs> this is just such a, it's such a weird, like cyclical moment. It's like, I feel like we've completed the circle. <laughs> like, you know, you start out like 10 years ago, 15 years of being like, oh, this sucks. You know, I need to yeah. need com- <laughs> terminal access. And you do everything with the terminal. And then, you know, you you eventually move on and it's like, okay, well, I guess I'm using Ansible now. We're going to have and everything scripted. <laughs> and then finally, it's just like, you know what? I could like, you know what has scripting of things? Cpanel. I'm just going <laughs> to that button and not worry about it.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, you know, serverless is just CGI bin.
0: Oh, of course. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Do not want to so go back to the Perl though. CGI PM was horrible
0: you're making me like um you're making me reconsider netlify then so maybe we'll just go straight to s3 we'll just build that locally yeah. just totally. upload it to s three and be done one thing i was i've been really surprised at a couple of netlify things like you would think that would be like really just features that they would have that they don't i guess um like one is like you can't just tell it to like rebuild my site every day because which oh yeah yeah like it seems like it uh Okay, first of all, maybe that seems like a very specific weird request. But um, if you're using Netlify, chances are using a static site generator. And if you ever, ever want to um, schedule posts to be published in the future, with the static site generator, you have to rebuild the site. So rebuilding it like once a day just makes sense. So I I had to do that in, uh, you know, setting up a, a separate, you know, trigger for that, which just seemed weird. And then also like the I was looking into this cuz my little like personal side I was thinking about which which don't worry it's not like a separate business project I'm not trying to like like cut you guys out of the you know huge with a, huge with an revenue ASCII swings. doc Yeah it's just, it's just with my ASCII doc my my rev, <laughs> my my huge ASCII doc revenue it's it's just all about how Honey Badger sucks I keep working
1: here <laughs> it's, signed whistle whistleblower. <laughs> it's <laughs> short that honey badger your
2: diary your honey badger diary it's like you're just publishing the last 10 years of your your intermo, innermost thoughts about how much you hate honey, honey badger it's
0: No, like, it's not. That star, it's
2: star comes comes clean that's all right
0: <laughs> oh yeah the other thing like i was like okay i could maybe you know this would be an ascii doc but maybe i could make it a little bit fancy by just adding some JavaScript to it and make it sort of appear to be a website. Like you have a single ASCII doc that has multiple sections. So maybe like each section sort of appears to be a web page, and really you're just showing and hiding them when you click on links. And so I was like, okay, well that, would that, would that work with, um, like you still want people to be able to link directly to the, um, you know, page they're on. And so I was like, you know, I'm sure Netlify has some setting that lets it pass through like, um, it basically lets it like serve the same html page for a variety of paths and then let the, that page's javascript decide what to do based on that path and it it really doesn't um, it just like it lets you d- redirect everything to index and maybe you could figure out maybe if i don't know maybe like you could figure out from the refer like what page they were on but that seems pretty like janky for something as like fundamental as like uh, you know routing
1: I think what you, you need want is to like askydogplus react. You want to rewrite? Do they have and that a rewrite rule? They might. Apache does. You know, Dreamhost got Apache. Just Dreamhost.
2: They have like I don't know, know if they have rewrites. They I know they have like you, the redirects file, and they might they have, re- have some kind of rewrites. Yeah, I don't know.
1: Yeah. Things I was
0: seeing online were people saying, "Okay, well you you should make a redirects file that includes every page." on your site and then somehow like redirect. I I don't know, It yeah. just see it all seem very like just kind of uh, like it was made out of, of duct tape and twigs.
1: I was thinking about that yesterday uh, when I was working on the site. I think I was thinking about your your GitHub Actions thing that does the scheduled calls to Netlify, Netlify to build our site so you can have those scheduled posts. And I was thinking if you're already going down that path of using GitHub Actions to automate something for your site, like just build it there, and then you know, SFTP it over to DreamHost, and you're done. And you can pay four bucks a month instead of eighty bucks a month to Netlify. You know. Oh, they, yeah. That's... I mean, we do we do the same thing for Hook Relay. Like the uh, the, the main site has documentation built on our Open Swagger API annotation stuff that's in our app. So we have this YAML file that specifies all our API endpoints, and then we have some Java thing that renders the uh, that YAML into actual HTML pages, the Open Swagger renderer or something like that. Well, you know, uh, Netlify doesn't have Java installed, and so so Kevin found this uh, GitHub action that just does that, right? And so so now instead of just like having Netlify deploy our site like we used to, now we have GitHub Actions build the site and then sync it over to to Netlify. It's like well now right. we're paying. 80 bucks a month or whatever, just for static, you know, HTML pages. And it's like, that's kind of silly. Yeah. You can yeah. just deploy S3. I do, yeah. I
0: do like, I do like the fact that you can preview branches. That's nice. That like that's, nice. you can, and you could probably do that with GitHub too, right? You could just, but you'd have to figure it out, right? You'd have to like, right. you know, deploy it to different, URL or different S3 buckets or whatever, you know, based on. The branch name then you have to like remember what that scheme was every time you wanted yeah. to mm-hmm.
2: it's another like it's it. just like if you do it then if you do everything like mostly netlify's way it it all just works and it's it's pretty nice from my experience but if you try to get too, too you then yeah get too fancy yeah then there's friction yep
0: all right so you're all ready to launch badge la <laughs> <laughs> <Badger-ify. laughs> We'll just no. take them down.
1: <laughs> no, I'd rather not. Like, <laughs> as, as what? Because I was working on Hookery Day this week, and I got it. I got it submitted to Heroku to be promoted to a beta add-on, so it actually show up in the marketplace listings. Because we've done the alpha thing, we've got our documentation in place, we've got our pricing done. You know, we got our paying customer that came on site. Yay! Thank you very much. And so, anyway, I was working on that this week to get it finished off with Heroku. And now it's, I'm basically just waiting for Heroku to do whatever they do to approve the app to go out to so be public. And that's all great. But I was thinking, this is a hassle. Like, just building the app is one thing, right? But then you got to, like, do all these just administrative stuff just to get it mm-hmm. out there. And then, you know, of course, you also have to, you can't forget about the whole marketing and side. And and maybe you want to do some sales even. And uh, so I'm like, man, having, a, having another product, it's a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> And I think that's I think that's why, uh, Josh, you can correct me on this, but I think that's why we just decided to give up on the idea of selling Heya, because it's like, it's just too much work. Well, it is it. a
2: lot of work. to. I mean, like, yeah, the effort, yeah, whatever the the payoff has to be worth the effort or the effort yeah. has to be worth the payoff. And in the case of Heya, like, I don't know, I think we, were, we tried it. It was an experiment and we tried it and we realized that, you know, it's probably going to take too much work to actually market it and turn it into something like, you know, that really makes a difference on the bottom line given our other business or, you know, I think it's still like a lot of people like it. They seem to like it. And I think it has a lot of potential like to grow as an open source product because obviously like that, that opens up like who can use it. There, there are definitely benefits of just releasing it for free. So, and it's a fairly simple, relatively simple project. So yeah, I'm excited to, uh, to, well, I don't. We haven't even announced that it's. I, this was yesterday. We changed the license and released it. So.
0: Um, oh, we're announcing it now. It's an exclusive. I
2: guess this is yeah. We're announcing that Heya we'll is now it free and open notes. source.
0: Everybody, go use Heya. GPL 59.95 value.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to growing that. Like you know, we we talked recently about adding uh, some more features for it for doing broadcast emails. Yeah, I and, still really uh, want to work on it. Yeah, me too. So like one of these Saturdays, I'm definitely going to you know, when I'm bored, I'm going to crank. Now that it's, to,
2: now that it's a, it's a true open source project, you're going to, you're going to contribute <laughs> some,
1: some weekend exactly. time to it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> now I'm not, I'm not anymore philosophically opposed to contributing to it. So nice. <laughs> I can let my open source purity un- yeah. on. Yeah.
2: <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah. I think there's, I think there's a
1: potential there. I really just want to add a UI to doing the broadcast, like, like. You know, we have it now where basically you can you can hop into the Rails console and you can send a broadcast email to a bunch of your customers, mm-hmm. and I've done that, and that's that's fine. Dump some markdown in there, pick your recipients, and you're you're off to the races. But it would be nice to have a um, just a simple old maybe you know I was thinking is like have a have a web interface like Sidekick does. Yeah. So it's just a it's just a Sinatra app embedded in the gym and you can mount it, you know, and then we could easily mm-hmm. mount that on our on our admin app, and then just have basically a text box with some markdown and. Have some way to query which users you want it and hit the submit button and off you go
2: yeah it would be that's that's what i want so you should totally do that ui this release actually also includes like a major like a scheduler change um to the way that it the way the scheduler decides like what to send next to each user but that change will actually enable us to um i think do like a simple uh, like um stats dashboard on like how many emails are being sent and who they're being sent to and some basic reporting like a basic reporting dashboard basically so i'd like to eventually i envision having like you know a report like a little reporting dashboard and then maybe some broadcast a broadcast email section where we can schedule
1: emails to go out maybe we should hire someone on Upwork to do this for us we could yeah for sure We had a really pleasant experience with upwork this week and hiring some python contractors
2: yeah our first bug fix released Already, yes.
1: yeah, and one in one week, like we posted the ad, it's got a, someone, got yeah. a thing. I actually published. it was like
2: within like a like twenty four hours, I think maybe. Yeah, um, super great. He, yeah.
0: So what did y'all do? Because every time I've hired people from, okay, first of all, first of all, a little um, a little confession It's like when I very first started freelancing, I was a contractor enough work for way too little money, but I didn't know what I was doing, so it balanced out, but. Every time I've tried to hire somebody on Upwork, it's always kind of been disappointing. It's always kind of been just people didn't really produce good results. So what did y'all do? Like, what, what was I doing wrong?
1: Well, you know, I created the job ad and, and, and there's this, of course, helpful little wizard that walks you through setting it up. And uh, so, so Josh had written a great description about exactly what we needed. And I just took that markdown and I dumped it into their little text box there. But one of the thing, two of the things I think that were key were, one, it, it asked you a, well, a variety of questions. But two of the questions in particular were, what level of experience do you want? And so you got to choose between beginner, intermediate, and expert. And I chose expert. And it also asked you, like, what pay range and when it asks you what the pay range is, it gives you a suggestion based on other jobs happening on the site right now. And so, for this particular job, I, was, I had put in I wanted Python. That was like the keyword, right? And I wanted someone back backend development. That was another one of the tags. And it recommended, I want to say, or recommended like a range of like thirty to fifty an hour. I can't remember for sure, but it's like here's what the typical job looks like. And you could ch- just choose that as a yeah. Just go ahead and do that. And so I chose that. And that I think I think those two things just made it like. Expert level, and then choosing a range that's basically the same range as everybody else that's doing. So,
0: I'm curious: does the um, when you choose an expert level, does that are people assigned like a ranking, or is it self identification, self selection into the rankings? I don't know. I'm not sure.
2: I mean, we got a we got a lot of responses. I read through most of them, and I will say, like, they were not all. They were definitely not all equal. So there were definitely some people in there that I, you know, wasn't going to hire. The first couple of people, like, cause it kind of recommends like who the best match, like it, it has some sort of algorithm that says this is the best match for you or these people are. And there was like probably two or three top, like the top ones at the very top who had uh, already completed a, a lot of work on it through Upwork. Like it shows the dollar amount that they've earned through Upwork too, which kind of helps you see like, um, like what their success rate is with projects. I picked one that had, uh, I, I think, you know, like, 10 or $20,000 already through Upwork. Yeah. So I kind of just picked one of the candidates that it recommended to, which I don't know, maybe that makes a difference. They have some way of knowing.
1: There was one one little snag, and that was I did select, like, you can choose, do you want to hire one person or multiple people? And if you choose multiple, you can say how many you want to hire. And I knew that Josh wanted to have some flexibility with, you know, picking people to work on a variety of tasks since we have plenty of things to do. And so I chose multiple and I chose two. I was like, ah, we can't really manage more than two people right now, so let me just choose two. So Josh went ahead and picked one hired, like you you marked them as hired in there, but we left the job open because like we might need a second person, right? But we just haven't, we haven't picked a second person yet. Well, they have this feature in Upwork where you can send out invitations to contractors. Like you post your ad and that's one thing. So that's, you know, someone's gonna find it and they might apply to it, but you can also, you know, proactively reach out to particular contractors who might not just see your ad, right? And I think Upwork like charges for this. You get so many invitations and then you have to start paying. I, I don't know. I've never used mm. it. But
0: Oh, it's just like a dating site.
1: Yeah, yeah. But they have what they call, well, I don't know what they call it. It's some sort of like assistant or some sort of specialist or something that helps you with your job ad and helps mm. you find the right candidates. And it's like, I've never, never used that. Like, I can pick people, right? That's not hard. But with uh, this in our case, what this person did was started inviting candidates and Josh had already hired person and we, you know, the job was still open, but we'd already picked the person that we started working that person. And then we started getting Mm -hmm. these messages from people like, Oh, thank you for inviting me to check out your job. And I'm like, I didn't do that. You know, but I realized that this, this assistant person was, and so that's not great because like, We're not actively, you know, at the moment, looking for another person. We've got it covered, thank you. So we're not going to be inviting people to anyway. So I contacted the Upwork guy. I'm like, hey, look, could you stop doing that because we are set. And by the way, could you set a flag on our account that we don't want this automatic invitation thing ever again? And uh, I just guessed that they had that sort of setting, and they do actually. He wrote back and he's like, oh, so sorry. Yeah, I'll turn that off for you, so you won't have that anymore.
2: Oh, cool. All right, well, yeah, that was a win email them yeah i'm excited about the potential for this type of this type of work though um which is basically just it's just open source work like we have all these open source projects to maintain and we want to pay people to work on them and that might be another i mean this is just the first success and it's still ongoing so you know i mean this whole thing could fall through still but if this works out like um one reason could be that this is a little i think this is different from the The typical project that I think of Upwork is like you have like a self-contained project that you've like spec'd out that you want to hand to someone and have them like deliver, you know, like an app or something or some sort of complete deliverable. And like our job at is basically like, you know, what open source work looks like. You probably already contributed to an open source project if you're going to be a good fit for this job. Like, here's our list of issues that you can go check out before you even apply to this job. And you can see like what work is, what work is available. And when we hire you, like, we're just going to literally send you to this list of issues and say, you know, do that one. And so it feels a little bit different than like, okay, I need to like build a, a I need a web app from scratch. And we have to like give you, uh, we have to go through the whole planning process. And I probably have some sort of spec document and. Yeah, it, it's all planned out. All the typical failures of software development apply to the, you know that scenario. Versus this scenario, it's like if you don't work out, like we're gonna know like on the first issue probably like if you don't deliver, and it's no big deal if you don't because you know neither of us have really invested much at that point, so we can you know pick you know try someone else, or if you don't like it, we'll move on.
0: Yeah, I think that's very important that it's like no big deal if it doesn't work out because I feel like a lot of times. With our contractors in the past, like we invest a lot of energy into them, and then eventually they're contractors, so they get a job or flake out or whatever. On our end, we call it flaking out, but really they have no obligation to us. Yeah, to, it makes to, sense. You know, do stuff for us. So, so yeah. So why would they, you know, just stay with us forever? You know, with a blog, it's I've benefited from a very similar attitude, right? It's like I've got plenty of people writing blog posts, and so if this particular one doesn't work out, I don't really care. I mean. I don't want to spend a lot of time on something that doesn't work out, but, mm-hmm. you know, if you contact me and you want to write a blog post and then I never hear from you again, like, that's fine. I wish you luck. You know, it's whatever.
1: It's like casual dating versus getting engaged. <laughs> yeah. It's like, Oh, you know, if we don't like each other, that's okay. We can go date somebody else.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. It's uh, it's a lot less pressure mm-hmm. and I like it. And I, I really hope the Upwork thing works out. Cause we, we talked in our conclave about, you know, sort of coming up with an in-house system for managing lots of contractors for jobs like this. And if Upwork can do it, that'll save us a lot of a lot of work.
2: I'm kind of excited about like figuring that out now. Like I think eventually like this system, I think like we could probably have a system that like allows us to work with people through Upwork and allows us to work with people outside of Upwork. Like, I mean, we already have a lot of the pieces, like the management pieces in place. Like, I mean, for like, you know, we, ha- we can like send people contractor agreements in i think like a few minutes at this point and have you know get that all signed
0: i've got a request for our listeners if they know like if you know if like uh it's like upwork but it's your own personal account and it's not like you're there's no like army of freelancers bidding on your stuff it's just like all the back-end stuff of upwork that you can just like use on your own and put all your contractors in there and you have personal experience with this tool could you like Tweet me like at Starhorn s t a r
1: r h o r n e. Cool. Because because if so. you don't, we might have to build that product. <laughs>
2: <laughs> or or I, just, I might just I might just build a
1: Notion page. <laughs> I know
0: that it exists. I know that one of the, these exists out there. I just yeah. don't know how much how expensive they
1: are. Just need the universe to bring it to you.
0: Yeah, exactly. This is not this is like the next evolution. It's not lazy webbing. It's like lazy podcasting. There
1: you
0: go. It's just I say <laughs> I want something.
1: well what i want while we're while we're wishing i want to hire a excellent vp of sales to come in and and sell the heck out of honey badger for us and totally flexible schedule you know can spend maybe maybe five hours maybe 50 hours a week i don't care as long as like they're selling bringing in those hot leads that's That's what I want. So all of our audience out there, if you have a fantastic VP of sales that wants to work for us, then just just one sitting around on the shelf. Yeah, just just send them our way. And if you have two, even better. Send them both.
2: There you go. (laughs) Just keep the job open.
1: Put on Upwork. Upwork. (laughs) I'm going to go right now. I'm going to see if Upwork has a sales category. Um, Yeah, because like, I have no idea about how to do sales. Like I, I don't mind learning, but I think it'd probably be more effective if we probably had someone who actually knew what they were doing, doing that. And I definitely want to do some outbound sales for Honey Badger. I want us to be like boiler room, calling, you know, everyone <laughs> on the planet like, you should buy Honey Badger because we're awesome. Yeah. You know?
0: Coffee's for closers. I imagine we might also be interested in if there are people out there who just know about this and just want to talk to us and possibly earn a consulting fee. We might be interested in that too.
1: For sure.
2: So you're saying this is the year that we figure out sales.
1: This is the year we figure out sales. Yes. Yeah.
2: We're ready. We're ready for it. We're ready.
1: I'm, I'm not ready for say, the next
2: level. I, don't, I, don't, I know I'm, you are. Yeah.
1: I'm not going to say or die trying because, because <laughs> we're not going to, we're not going
2: to die trying. Not, not thought, no. <laughs> we're, we're, we're going to, we're going to do this very conservatively. <laughs> And, and, and if it doesn't and work out, that's okay.
1: Because <laughs> we still have plenty of revenue. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, I've got one idea for y'all for like the next level. Okay. One word: options.
2: <laughs> Do you see? Are we gonna Sorry. option our future? Is that what you're saying?
1: <laughs> see that? No, v- I got. Oh, <laughs> went down to fifty yesterday. Ooh.
0: It did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I have oh. no desire to buy GME. like i've been I've been following it a little bit, yeah. and like some people are like like some people are predicting that like th- there's gonna be this lull and then it's gonna go back up and that's probably bullshit. <laughs> that's probably completely yeah. wrong. But like part of me is just like, hmm, I wonder like, if I spent like a hundred dollars on call options, you could probably buy call options for like a thousand shares of GME for a hundred dollars for like six months from now. And you know, just like just like to have a little money in the game.
1: Yeah, if you really really want to get into gambling on the stock market, call options are the way to go, as opposed to just buying a stock and hoping it goes yeah. up, right? Because you can get much more leverage from the call options than you can just from buying and holding.
2: There's an article in the Wall Street Journal today that was like teenagers are betting their all of their savings on GME, and parents are worried.
1: <laughs> I like to look for the the silver lining, and my, so in this case, I think perhaps just maybe like a lot of teens and millennials will get introduced to the stock market through this and, and maybe mm-hmm. stick around and, and become like savvy investors. And you, know, and, you know, yeah,
2: you're right. You're actually right. Like, I think to experience, like to, to really like experience the stock market, you have to lose money at some point. Like, I mean, I, I think you have to, like, you're going to make some mistakes and uh, it's probably better to make some mistakes and your like some dumb mistakes in your teens versus like, when you're older and have more money saved to lose and, and all that. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess there's, there are some investors who just, you know, their entire investing career is just perfect, uh, perfect record. <laughs> They've never, ever made a bad trade, but.
0: You know, what they say about monkeys and typewriters. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Indeed.
0: All of this has made me sort of realize that, you know, I need to, I don't know. My My whole approach to investing has always just been like dump everything into a Vanguard index fund. And I think that's still correct for like, you know, most invest my investing, but I was like, maybe I need to have like a sort of a strat, like a portfolio where it's like 80% in the like mutual funds, like 20% or, you know, 15% is like medium risk stocks. And then 5% is like more high risk type things. Cause I realized that I have no desire to like spend all my money on, on risky (laughs) investments, but it's like, well, like if I have like almost no risky investments, like maybe I'm losing out on upside. I don't know.
1: Yeah. Yeah, My, my strategy has been like somewhere in the high nineties percent of my, of my investing is just index funds, you know, or, or 401k, which is split with some bonds and things like that. Just boring, you know, just put the money in and forget about it kind of thing. But then I always like to keep aside a little bucket of basically, I consider it play money, but it's to make those individual bets. Like when I bought Apple stock in 2000, right? And that turned out to be a very good thing after 20 years. So like, I I like doing that. And just like, the way I look at it is like this money is, if it all goes to zero, I won't miss it, right? But if it it could turn to something, I'm going to make a bet on a, a particular stock, like I don't know, a while back I bought Shopify and that worked out really well. I mean, I bought it some Amazon that's worked out really well, you know, so things that I know and I'm like, yeah, I think that's a good company. Then I will buy a little bit of it. Right. And then, uh, mm-hmm. just sit on it for a while. And yeah, it's been, it's been fine. Like it's been fun. And then I can, I can play like, I know what I'm doing. Right. But not risk all my, all my savings. Yeah,
2: <laughs> it's. I mean, I've been watching a lot of people do like the fractional trading thing on Twitter and like, you know, they're like investing tiny amounts of money, but into a portfolio like that would be, you know, basically you're like, it seems like practice. Like it's a way to practice, you know, making trades and investing without like risking, you know, having to buy, like spend hundreds of dollars on on a share or whatever.
0: Yeah. One thing all of this has taught me, this whole like GME thing, and just sort of, I'm, I'm not involved. I just have been sort of following along at home is that pretty much, everyone who talks about stocks on the internet just has no idea what they're talking about Mm -hmm. and yet speaks with the most absolute certainty that they know everything about what they're talking about. And so I, am just less left. I'm left with a profound distrust of everyone.
2: Of everything. Well, that's, well, you welcome to the, welcome to the club (laughs) of the, Welcome to the 21st century.
1: There we go. <laughs> since since we just happen to be three people on the internet that know nothing about stocks. And talking about it anyway,
2: there you go. With the, yeah, with a podcast.
1: Oh yeah, but my but
0: my <laughs> but, but um, yeah, everything I say is is like riddled through with a profound like uncertainty. So I'm not. Yeah, I don't I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah. This is not financial advice. Please consult a lawyer. Yeah, I thought the stock market was going to tank when. Um, it's when surreal. the economy collapsed, I thought that the economy collapsing would cause the stock market to get, to go down, but it didn't shocker. It didn't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. Okay. Benjamin Graham. Okay. Mr. <laughs> value investing. Like, where were you? Where were you in March? Benjamin Graham. <laughs> <laughs> this is not how it's supposed to work. Anyway, let's just, yeah. I don't uh,
2: well, it's detached. By the- it's detached from the economy.
1: By the way, Upwork does have categories for sales. Yeah. yeah. Don't know how well that worked out, but there you go. Yeah,
0: that could be that could be truly horrifying.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think the one snag that we have, like we couldn't just hire someone off the street because like developers don't like to be marketed to in the typical ways. Like they do not want to answer their phones to people saying, Hey, you should buy this thing, right? They don't want to get spam in their inbox and things like that. So it would be, I think you'd have to find someone that's willing to put in a little extra effort beyond just the dialing for dollars, right?
0: Yeah. I wonder, I wonder how much technical knowledge the person will need because
1: like, it's a pretty technical product. Yeah. I would say probably not a lot because for example, on any, in depth sales call like i would be on the call as the technical sales yeah. person so
2: i would be their support right and i imagine they're not initially like are they reaching they're not like are they reaching out to like engineering well, lead or i mean are they reaching out to like executive like more of the executive level or project management type anyway so like yeah yeah like how technical it, is the is the lead like the right. first you know until they bring in their technical people
1: to like evaluate be like hey you know would this be useful to us Right. Yeah. I'd imagine the first, the first outreach is just like, Hey, you know, you should probably be monitoring your apps, you know, and uh, yeah. let's talk about that. Right.
2: And I have no idea how any of like, i I have no experience with this and I, this is what I want to learn uh, more about, but yes. I, I want to, you always want to leave open the possibility that you have no idea how this actually works. And <laughs> this is why we need someone to come and tell us for money.
0: <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, but like honor system, you can't just uh, scam us. Because
1: <laughs> we have... Just badgers. come and tell us
2: what <laughs> we want to hear. Yeah. <laughs> Cash is on the table.
0: Yeah, so this can be a good year. Well, you have been listening to FounderQuest. Yeah, review us on Apple Podcasts. We're always looking for writers um, for our blog, honeybadger.io forward slash blog. Go look for the Write For Us page. I actually have a little bit of a backlog right now, so it may take a little... A little time before I can um talk with you, but you know, I won't forget you because you know I love each and every one of you. So I will let you all go.
2: Also don't forget to buy GME so that uh, stars off. Oh yeah, so. yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Diamond hands.
2: Really cool.
1: Diamond hands. Diamond <laughs>
2: FounderQuest is a weekly podcast by the founders of Honey Badger. Zero instrumentation, 360-degree coverage of errors, outages, and service degradations for your web apps. If you have a web app, you need it. Available at HoneyBadger.io. Want more from the founders? Go to FounderQuestPodcast.com. That's one word, where you can access our huge back catalog of episodes. FounderQuest is available on iTunes, Spotify, and other purveyors of fine podcasts.